Hello and welcome to the Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Chen. I'm Red. I'm Anthony. And I'm Miles. This week, Alex catches up with Darren Gladstone, another CGW alum. They talked about his history with tech, his move from games journalism into the games industry, games in general, and what he's up to now. This was an interesting interview. I really enjoyed just sort of their their meat and potatoes talk of what games are fun, why he's playing the games he's playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a it's almost like a it's kind of like what we do at the end of at the end of the show, but in longer form and then it's it's interesting just hearing more from that realm of like computer games reporting and like tech reporting and everything like that. It's such an interesting sight to see because they got to see everything firsthand and check everything out. Mhm. But before we get into that, we've got a little bit of news to get through today. So first up, uh, New World, Amazon's MMO, uh, long in development, uh, long anticipated, it finally launched, uh, and immediately hit 700,000 players. Um, Yes. All of the servers they have allowed for a maximum of 4,600 something players. Uh, So obviously, some people got left behind, and that led to about 200 hour queue times. It's okay, guys. Just just hang on. You're still waiting. You'll be able to get. You'll be able to get on. Just hang on. <laughs> yeah, just wait a week. Yeah, it's fine. Which is what just keep it on. Hours is. <laughs> I would say the new world doesn't have my interest on it, but I when it just like whenever there's a new MMO coming out to the market in these days, and no matter what kind of game it is, it would just get flooded by people. Mm-hmm. It seems like the market is really yeah. in a hunger for a good MMO it, that really fits the need instead of the, yeah, those we have now. There needs to be some. There needs to be a uh, because yeah, there just needs to be something new that like kind of captures everybody's enjoyment. I don't know if this one is gonna be that game, but the one, the chosen one. Yes, but it looks really interesting. It looks pretty fun. I might check it out later. Um, in other news, Netflix has acquired a Night School Studio, uh, the studio behind Oxenfree and After Party. Um, so they are going to be... Uh, the speculation going around is that there's probably going to be some sort of like Stranger Things game uh, through Netflix, and then apparently you'll be able to... Like, Netflix games will be included into the subscription, so then it'll be I mainly streaming based only. So, those are some interesting things to talk about in the future, like just about if games are subscription based and streaming only versus having a the ability to download it. So, looks like the be. future is streaming games. Apparently, it well if it's going to be streaming games, then they should you know upgrade my internet. Or just like you know, upgrade the nation's internet a lot better because it's it's lacking a little bit. Mm-hmm. But fiber optics, here we come <laughs> soon enough, and then yeah. don't get poisoned by the five G. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, so next news: uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Two likened to Empire Strikes Back. 
What's this one about? I didn't see this headline. Um, in the Marvel podcast, the creative vice president, Bill Rosenman, uh, talked about the sequel um, being uh, compared to The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so he's basically talking how the the sequel to uh, the first uh, Marvel Spider-Man will be a bit darker in, in tone. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So is he trying to... And then the third one is going to bring it up? Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's been a bit of speculation... And again, take this all with a grain of salt because nothing's written in stone. Yeah, that they're uh, that they left Venom out of the first one because they didn't want to pack the villains too much. But now, mm. you know, they have another game, so they're probably going to bring, you know, one of Spider-Man's most iconic villains in to have a a larger role. So that would be really here's fun. hoping we see some Venom. Yeah, because it's gonna. Always be, it's fun. Also, I, I'm also really hoping that. I mean, I, I think it. I'm hoping it will also be a PS5 exclusive. I mean, the Miles Morales was an exclusive, so that should be hopefully a good hint for the future, making it just exclusive to the new console. Because I mean, that would be able to use everything to its benefit if they did that. But we'll see. Well, we're gonna have another little segment of news after the interview. Uh, we're gonna cover the Nintendo Direct. Totally. Well, not totally, but what we found interesting about it. Uh, but before we get into that, here is Alex and Darren Gladstone. And we are here with Darren Gladstone. How you doing, Darren? Doing good, Alexander. Uh, great to have you here on the podcast. We've been going through all my old uh, coworkers, old CGW people, but your career began in New York, didn't it? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was in business. I mean, I was a gamer for a life, but I was a business uh, a business reporter in New York. And um, I guess through at some point along the way, I just said, oh, wait a second. I can actually make a living doing writing about stuff I really love. And I just wound up in San Francisco on a vacation. And while I was there, I kind of just grabbed a magazine. I was, yes, magazines, dead trees. I, I, I picked up a magazine I was working for at the time, kind of um, – bookmarked dog-eared pages bought a suit interviewed for a job at ziff davis and uh fast forward two weeks i had a job yeah i remember you coming down to the cubicles you had an ipac and you were emulating donkey kong on it or something i was blown away oh yeah yeah it's it was kind of basically my my whole shtick i guess was like gadgetry and seeing how where i can get away with like watching like simpsons videos back then and um and yeah playing just random games on stuff but yeah, so, was, uh, yeah. So gadgets, huh? Like, mm-hmm. what was, what are some of the memorable ones across that time, taking you know covering that area? Oh Christ, man, that, that's hard. I mean, like, there's so many. I was like, I was the like, at one point I served as the mobile beat reporter for like PC Week back in the day. So like, uh, the, the Palm Seven and like Palm, Palm oh, yeah. Pilots and all these crazy things, the original MP3 players, like the Diamond Rio stuff. I mean, I'm going way back, but I mean, um. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I think it's just funny seeing the the, the evolution jumps that like, became more and more dramatic, and then the lead up to 2007. I mean, I'm, I can I can I can go on that stuff all day, really. Right. I mean, 2007 being when the iPhone came out, yeah. gadgets died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, why well, have a million gadgets? It's, it's actually it was really funny because I used to have like a thousand gadgets. I would shove in a pack, like I was like a like a Sherpa going up, 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 uh, the, up the mountains with like all these gadgets. And then it's like, Oh, I have a phone now that covers, that does all, uh, all that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you uh, read Computer Gaming World since issue one, right? That is true. Well, yes, one or technically probably issue two. I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was it was a long time ago, but it was it was kind of funny. Like I, I mean, I like I said, I was a gamer for life, and I uh, my first gaming PC, I guess, was a, an Apple II. So um, I was in it for a while, and I um, it was kind of funny. Like I. I never thought I, it's like you always say, what are these goal, weird goals you could put out there for yourself? And one of them was, man, it'd be really cool to work at CGW one day. And um, and it happened. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. Like, who, like, who, like, who gave me the keys to the car? This is ridiculous. I shouldn't like, you know, I don't belong here, but I was there and I was having a great time. Uh, and then you, you pivoted from the magazine. You moved into the actual industry, worked at uh, oh, yeah. companies and Hardware manufacturer. Well, yeah, yeah. So I was at uh, CGW for a while, you know, part of the whole uh, one-up empire. I wrote for like EGM, OPM, all the alphabet letter magazines out there. It was great. I mean, it was a great group of guys. It was just a, an amazing time to be a part of it. And um, it was a re- then I transitioned. I went to PC World in, oh, geez, I got a history lesson here. I'm trying to like go back through my, uh, my memory banks. It was about... 2007 thereabouts 2008 anyway so around then i i went up back to pc pc i went to pc world and after that after about a year or two two years i basically said you know what it's time to kind of take a, a walk from journalism do something different and so i uh, started working for yeah game companies hardware companies um First up, I was I, first big noticeable thing. I started working with HP. I, I became I was like their official blogger for consumer products, and it was a great time. Uh, it was basically I got a chance to play with all their toys and tell their stories and like you know give people tips on how to use things, things like that. Was there anything that you learned moving to the other side? I mean, you you, you were hardware you know covering the actual hardware to moving to the side of the people who are selling the hardware. What was your biggest surprise? What was the biggest difference? In? Well, I think. Um, the, the, the amount of iterations and the piles of silicon that just happen to sit in the offices. I mean, you sit there and you think, oh, yeah, we're going to review this product and, you know, what a, you know, I would have done this, this and this with it. And when you actually look at – and I, I think I, one of the more eye-opening moments was when I was uh, looking at a product, you know, in the design phase and you see the – like a room full of like different versions of the same damn laptop. And it's not even like they're close. It's like – come wildly different things like like and we're talking about stuff like what if we put a touch screen in and, th- and remember this is like when i'm talking about two th- like this is 2000 you know 10 or something for you know and, and all these things so it's like for a, a good sized computer um but yeah so i did that for a couple years and uh, we lived through some really weird times at hp so there was the uh, i was there for the touchpad which was the tablet running on web os that uh, they had this huge promotional campaign. It was it was around for I think a week or two before they decided to scrub it, and uh, that was the time. Yeah, that runs uh, televisions now. Yeah, yeah, they they made it uh, open source and just kind of I think is it uh, LG that uses it now. I'm unaware, but I, I do recognize it in uh, in my logs. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that but yeah that that came out from uh, you know the Palm team, and and, the, and I I was actually an early fan of that stuff. But, oh yeah, but yeah. So like after a lot of like you know things happening at HP, I I kind of went back to my gaming roots that I loved so much. There was an opportunity at 2K to help tell the stories of you know the games and in marketing content. So I kind of. Man, I feel like I'm just blabbering here, but no, no, you're fine. That's that's the old office up in uh, the airplane hangars, right? That's correct. Yeah. So well, funny story. Apparently, um, the the first and those airplane hangars. You know the opening scene from Indiana Jones and uh, 
Temple, Temple, of Temple of Doom. Yes. So one of the hangers there is where like uh, Indiana Jones goes, "Nice try, Lao Shea, or whatever." And like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and he gets gets in the plane, and uh, it's um, Dan Aykroyd is in that scene. That's for right. Some weird reason. Yeah. <laughs> But it is. It's right outside of those offices. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. So I was there for a, a, a few years and it was actually a great time. I was able to work with such a wide variety of brands, you know, like uh, Borderlands, uh, Bioshock, the Mafia, Mafia Games, XCOM, Civ. It was crazy. I mean, like the fact that, like, again, it was like the, I had that same feeling like when I was at uh, CGW, I was like, wait a second, you're letting me actually do things with the fiction of these games? Are you nuts? Uh, so. Now that you have sort of straddled every aspect, like the reviewing side, the the news side, the the manufacturing side, and then the, you know the, watching them make the bacon, as it were, has it changed your perception of games? Are there any games maybe that like you appreciate more having seen the whole aspect of the way the sausage is made? Well, I'd say honestly, it gives it gives it, it gives you a, a profound respect for every part of the process and all the people involved. Uh, just the coordination of this huge machine of people that are, it depends on the size of the, I mean, like, of course, on smaller indie teams, it's everyone wearing multiple hats and you're just trying to like, you know, just in a room, throwing stuff at each other and getting things done. But on the bigger projects, especially like, you know, huge AAA games, the number of things that are interconnected and you, and, and if one thing breaks down, all the other things kind of follow. And so every time that I see someone griping online about, oh man, just release the game already. You talked about it two years ago. I'm like, dude, you know, it's like, you can't, you know, if, if, a, if a part of the foundation of the building is, needs to be repaired, you got to go back and fix that before you can like actually finish, you know, nailing up the walls or painting them or whatever. So it's that that's, and, and I mean, that, that kind of translates across any big endeavor, but it's just understand. It's like an understanding that a lot of people don't have. Exactly. No, that's something we really try to push at the museum, you know, that these things don't just spring forward from people's heads. And, oh, and, man, know, I wish it did. Holy they, cow. They didn't, yeah, they, they are made at great pain and great, you know, effort. They are not, it's not fun making a game. It's a lot of work. That's why I pay you to do it. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I'm going to say, granted, like my side of it is, I'm not the guy, bless you. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that's actually crunching the numbers and the, like suck at math, but um it, it, I mean, like, yes, there's a lot, a lot of work involved, but it's also probably some of the most, um, I guess, fulfilling, satisfying work I've ever had a chance to do. And all the walks of, I, and it's kind of weird, I've pivoted so many times over the years and I've seen all these different parts of the business and different businesses. And I, I keep coming back to this thing where like the actual creation process is what inspires me every day. And like, it's because um, at one point, I, you know, before COVID just slapped everything down, I kept going back to this one thought in my head, like every year I go to GDC, I'd walk out inspired. And so I kept, and then I started asking myself more and more toward the end of, I think that's 2018 or so thereabouts, 2018, 2019. I'm like, why am I only waiting for that feeling once a year or twice a year when I go to a show and catch up with my, all my pals who are telling me about all the cool things they're doing? So I kind of, kind of went with it and once again pivoted and you know to where I'm kind of the direction I've been going these days which is more on the creation process indeed and you you mentioned things like world building I mean that's fun I don't mean to imply that they're asked the whole process is, uh, you know yeah no 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 it, honestly I feel like you know I, I can't speak for the you know engineers but you know there's 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 got to be excitement in like working with a new engine and seeing what you can how far you can push it for the artists who can you know you know kind of envisioning some brand new world 
that has never been conceived before or something simple in a demade you know re- pixelized graphics thing like i this week alone there's games coming out i'm like downloading a ton of indie stuff that i love so yeah what, what are you playing now oh geez uh i think the question would be what are you not playing now because <laughs> i mean like so i mean i i would okay so i'm just like so this past week alone so i just downloaded was it flynn son of crimson from humble games lost in random from ea um I also been playing Deathloop and Law and uh, uh, Life is Strange: True Colors, which is just really well done. I mean, I'm ma- great storytelling. It, like the characters in it are so well developed. Yeah, Life is Strange is really good at that. There, you know, the, so often you'll play a game and you feel like the characters are sort of cardboard or mm-hmm. chopped out of something. Absolutely not in Life is Strange. They are real people. Yep, definitely feels real. Uh, uh, but I mean, I mean, like, like, but I'm not going to sit here and do reviews because no one's paying me for that anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, like, that's just like tip of the iceberg kind of stuff. Um, I mean, is there anything that, like inspires you or games that you you see and maybe admire now, whereas before you just thought oh, they were fun? Oh, I always. The funny thing is, I always did that. I mean, I was, I wasn't fanboyism, but I definitely like I I I appreciated the vision of what people were trying to attain and how close they came to that vision. Mm. I mean, I would have to like. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. I mean, like, also, I'm also a huge VR head. So, like, mm-hmm. um, I like they just dropped, uh, like, so Tales from the Galaxy's Edge on the Quest. They just released uh, a new DLC. So it's like, like, I've never been to um, to Galaxy's Edge in either of the parks. So my VR visits are the closest I'm getting for now, and it's like it, it's doing the job. I'm having fun, with it. but you know, it's 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 not like putting expectations on anything. It's just kind of seeing what the developers were trying to accomplish. And how close they got to that goal. That's what I really enjoy. I think that's a spirit you really need to enjoy older PC and older computer and, and you know console games, especially. Right, and I, I, the funny thing is, like, a lot, so there's a lot of like, as we go to these worlds, these um, games with higher graphics fidelity and better audio and stuff like that. I'm not saying that games are better than or now or whatever. They're they're great games then and now. But the the thing I always and I'm I'm probably preaching to the choir here and that's something you never heard before. But um, I always enjoy the fact that like the older games, you had to fill in so many of the pixel blanks with your imagination, and that's kind of what I enjoyed. Like you know, sometimes people ask me what's my favorite game of all time, and I'm hard pressed to look beyond say, Auto Duel, and and like. Um, Sundog, the Frozen Legacy. Oh, Sundog, spectacular game. Um, but then I also can say uh, the original Steel Battalion. If they rebooted that, I still have the controllers. And then, and then, I, and then, like I said, tr- you know, uh, Life is Strange, the Telltale games. Like I was always inspired by like what the team did when they left LucasArts to to go in and create that whole genre. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Wolf Among Us is spectacular. I mean, just that that and Life is Strange are absolutely just phenomenal, top quality you know, modern interpretations of sort of that adventure genre, right? But yeah. uh, you also mentioned Steel Battalion. That's just an amazing, you know, amazing game right there. But Sundog, nobody knows Sundog, man. That was such a great game. There's aspects of that game that are still not tops today. I mean, that's basically Star Citizen. Like everything they wanted yeah. in Star Citizen. No, it, yeah. I mean, like that kind of game. I, I love that game. It was open world, multiple game genres uh, layered on top of each other, mul- multiple systems at, at play. The fact that you're in the middle of a space battle, space pirates knock out your system, you run down to your engineering room to, to create shunts and put pieces together to yep. connect your weapons back up, and then run back up to the platform to keep shooting. That was nuts. Absolutely. And then, then you have that little car in your uh, in your space, you know, in your uh, spaceship. And right. You can drive across the planet to a non-space dock area, pick up supplies and bring it back. You get mugged. 
talk to the bartenders. I mean, the stuff in that game is amazing. Yeah, and that, like it's like it's like you could see that it's and the funny and it's um it's it's basically it's like knowing your roots. Like you you see that stuff and then you look at games like Mass Effect and you're like oh I get it, and you look at other like you know Star Citizen, which well, if it ever comes out, <laughs> um, but you get the idea. Yeah, so it's like I mean I appreciate games from different eras for what they're doing Mm -hmm. and a lot of those games from that specific era again like you said you have to fill things in even though sundog is so expansive and has so much stuff you could do you're a little white stick figure and there's absolutely no animation you know you're just dragging him across and and that's actually and that's why i love so many of the the indie games out now is they kind of they feel like they're channeling those roots for me like it's like uh ftl or you know into the Mm. breach uh, those are just like they're just top of my head. I mean, but like every week there's some crazy random game that I just pull out of nowhere and play for an hour or two. So since you mentioned VR, I wanted to see what you thought of Alex. Alex it was great. I mean, although I got to say, and I'm a total, I'm a total wuss when it comes to VR horror. Um, uh, so like any mo- so when you have like head crabs jumping at you in 3D, I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> uh, I try. I so, so for example, when Re, when Resident Evil Seven came out with uh, with the uh, VR option to play it, uh-huh. I made. I walk into the house. I see my. I, I come into my first encounter. I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. And uh, but yeah, it's like I, I will fully admit, you put me in like a you know, put a two D screen between me and horror, and I'm okay. But when you start putting me in the scene, I'm like, I start having like you know, like I start I start like you know, going in the fetal position, I guess. Here's what I will say about Alex is that the, the oh no oh, the, Alex is great though yeah I mean like the the, the, the feel of the guns and the feel of the, the gravity gun and the feel of the weapons was spectacular like the reloading and the handling of them I thought was just magnificent that was the thing that I thought still well, I, I think you know, what one thing is kind of like uh, what I really enjoyed because so many VR games are just shooting galleries um, this one like, to me it, I mean there's certainly shooting gallery elements to it but it's also telling the story and it, there was all it was you know, as, as typical for, a, you know, a, a Valve game, a Half-Life game, there's a little of that, that exploration, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I love being able to like dip into a corner and seeing the details and like the parts that help fill in the blanks without actually, you know, going overboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've always been great at pacing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what, what's going on now? What are you, uh, what are you up to that you can talk about? What are you, what do you want to uh, oh, chat about? Oh, jeez. I mean, I, okay. So I, I know we talked about this before the call, but, uh, <laughs> but I am really terrible at self promotion. I'm like the worst at self promotion. I enjoy working behind the scenes. So um, I guess, like, I guess the one thing I can say right now is a lot of times I'm working behind the scenes with uh, with other publishers. I'm helping create content for, for like you know, art books or strategy guides or I'm the voice of social. I'm, I'm the voice of social channels for different brands. Um, How do yeah. these people find you? Well, it's just, you know, I guess that's one of the nice things about the industry. You work around it. You get to meet enough people. You work with enough people. And you just kind of like you reach out and there's good opportunities or there's not. And you just kind of hang mm-hmm. out. I mean, it was a lot easier, obviously, uh, pre-COVID where, where, <laughs> yeah, where, where you where you go to GDC or E3 and hang out uh, at the JW or the Fairmont or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so you don't ha- you don't have like a corporate website, I can direct you to know. Well, I mean, I have my own personal. I mean, I have a portfolio site of just that that I'm in desperate need of updating. It's just, (laughs) I mean, like there's that, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I'd say the past year has been the luckiest for me. Um, um, I've been able to. um, I don't know. It's kind of weird when you. I guess when you're locked in your own thoughts in your own house for a year, you start having out. You you run out of excuses, and you start kind of finding those creative outlets. 
Uh, let me see. I uh, designed a I designed a board game with a buddy. I wrote a book about. I I, I, I started writing a book. Actually, I wrote a book. I'm doing a first or second draft of it now. Um, I've been helping out a bunch of comp. I'm helping design an, an indie Metroidvania game. That's uh, the one that I'm excited about. Oh, I'm, oh did I? I'm a Metroidvania I, nut. Oh, okay. Well, it, so that one it's in development. We. Uh, we actually so it's called Revit. It's called oops, I hit the mic. Uh, it's, it's called Revenance Reach. So uh, we we have limited information out there right now, but we've done all. Mm. So basically, we were working on a vertical slice, and we realized uh, as we got that slice completed, we're like, okay, there's one part we need to just really kind of focus in on and, and improve, and and we have, but it's a little too early to talk about that. Uh, I'm working on a VR kaiju game called Blockbuster. It's they have, no, that sounds like it, it, it. That's also in development, and that's it's coming along pretty nicely. We haven't really um, showed too much of it to the world yet, but mm-hmm. I'm helping those guys. They're a great, uh, great group of guys and and girls there. So I mean, like knocking down buildings with your VR controllers, right? That sounds like yeah. Just make sure you don't, like. don't. Yeah, exactly. Just make sure you don't punch the wall. <laughs> but, yeah, actually, that sounds like that could be a real problem. With that guy. Yeah. Um, and other than that, um, I really can't talk. I mean, I, I don't know if I can talk too much about it. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna err on the side of caution right now. No, that's fine. But there's actually a, uh, a I'm working with a game publisher as well, and it's uh, I, I, I ask me it's again. Okay. Ask me again in a couple of weeks, and I'll actually be able to talk more about that. Probably. We'll have you back on when you're ready to promote your book or, uh, or I, game or the kaiju like, game, whichever one. Like I said, I'm, I'm re- honestly I am so terrible at self promotion. It's like I'm the worst. Like I, I I just I like like I said I just I, I like the I like the work speak for itself kind of thing. You know. <laughs> I think that's called humility. No, it's just called. That's, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we're done here, uh, is there anybody else out there you wanted to like call out for doing really good work or any other games that you uh, think need better more recognition? More recognition. Oh geez, man, that is that is, that is a I, I I almost need you to pause the the recording for that one because there's, <laughs> there's oh, man. Well, I'll do one in the meet. Well, while you're thinking, I got one. It's called Webbed. Have you heard of this? No. I have, Simon Simon Carlos like threw this in in the end of his amazing newsletter about game discovery, and it's like you're a spider, two D spider. It's a Metroidvania. You're throwing web. You're you're catching flies, and looks fun. Okay. I'm, I'm literally gonna like, i know we're over time okay. limit or whatever no, we'll pause. Yeah, whatever i mean like you can edit this crap out I mean, yeah 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 well we can we can edit it probably won't but we can <laughs> i feel like i so what i'm doing right now uh, for anybody who gives i'm uh oh, can't can't curse sorry <laughs> oh no you you don't even want to know the story robert coffee told i mean <laughs> oh no i know i did i, I forgot he can, I, I forgot he, he by the way you know what actually i can totally gloss past this stuff and i and i feel bad so like i got honestly like I have a, a profound respect for Jeff and Robert prior to working at, at CGW. And I feel like I feel I feel like obligated to say this because we kind of raced through everything. But, but um, I'm just going to say just here we go. If you want to mark from this, <laughs> if you want to mark from this point and copy and paste back. Um, I really have like, before I worked at uh, CGW, I, I had such an amazing amount of respect for both what they, both for both of them and how they wrote and what they wrote about. They're just like I, I always referred to, to Robert as like a force of nature when he when oh he, yeah and, and it was just he would just deliver these amazing alliterative tirades that would just kind of like that could wither the soul of someone who, of the recipient and it just and it just it it made, it made my black my darkened heart just feel like awesome so the two of them are like honey and vinegar yeah I mean, no, totally know, Jeff is. Jeff is the sweet, but you know, and not to call Rob mean, but he would probably call himself mean. Well, no, well, no, 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 well, no, well, no. I, it's like as a, as a former New Yorker, I respected where he came from on just about every stance. And so I totally got where he was coming from. 
my, my big hope is that someday somebody puts Rob on a writing team for a game. Oh, because, yeah, that's, I mean, he's written movies and stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I'm going to go, I'm trying to go back through my, like, so I'm trying to go back through a quick log of games I'm playing right now. There um, we go. Okay, so sorry. So um, to answer your question about the games that I am really enjoying. Okay, so um, I can honestly say that Road 96, it was such a great game. So, so it, so it's um, and it's a, a narrative, a procedural narrative advent, uh, adventure game, mm. where you're trying to escape a country, mm. and so or or are you basically actually that's one of the options. Do you want to escape the country? Do you want to help foment revolution? Do you want to just survive? Mm. And all the choices you make, you're basically uh, you're procedurally coming through the game as teens that are runaways or not or revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. And and you ch- help choose their path, going from lo- one location to the next location to the next location, and you have all these little adventures along the way, and it's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of telltale-ish, kind of like you know what you see in like a life is strange, and the people it's well written and the characters are real, and it's it's interesting that like you can go through this multiple <laughs> branching path times and, and getting completely different stories. Interesting, interesting. So as you keep replaying it, you are unlocking more parts of the story of different segmented tales. Excellent. So that's just that one. Great. That's just one game that I think like deserves such respect. There you go. Well, give me one more. Well, I think we'll be done. Okay. No more heroes. Three is just weird. Period. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no. It's soon for too I mean, come on. That's uh, that's kind of like that's that's almost like a gimme. It's like yeah. When you talk about when I talk earlier about like uh, guys who just kind of like lean into what like their creative vision and just kind of going out there, it's that's that's one of those guys just perpetually doing weird and 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 living in that world. So Mm -hmm. almost like a Terry Gilliam or somebody, somebody who's just like always pushing their own envelope, not everybody else's. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know if. um, yeah, that I was gonna say. I'm just gonna stop. It? I'm just stopping myself. Right. Since just if it's just two, I'm probably gonna I'll be safe. Because okay. there's so because right. I mean I can, I, I I think there's I could keep going because like I literally just like there's like a, I could just go. I love playing this and that. Well, give me there's, give me one more and we'll be done. <laughs> oh, for God's sakes! Okay, um, unavowed. Have you played that one? No, I don't. I don't know. So it's a graphic adventure from Wadjet Games. And oh, Wadjet. Yeah. So is that how you pronounce it, Wadjet? Well, isn't it Wadget? Wadget Eye? Yeah. There you go. That, yeah. Thank you. That. So those guys. Um, so it's kind of like a, it It kind of weaves together a tale of like, a, it's almost like, um, hmm, it's, it's like a paranormal detective group working out of New York. And your choices are actually, or, and it's one of those things where it's a graphic adventure, you know, going back and forth and navigating and solving puzzles. But early, even early on, basically, you're selecting who your primary character is going to be in their background, which impacts your answers. And then you're recruiting other people and interacting with them. And it's it's not your tradition. It's not just like, oh, it's a graphic adventure set in a cool world, blah, blah. It's actually, there's depth to it that I don't that you don't see as often, which I think is pretty cool. Excellent recommendations. That's why I asked, Aaron. I knew you knew where, where all the good stuff was. Thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks for, thanks for uh, helping me walk back through memory lane. I love this stuff. <laughs> well, we'll have you on again. So, thanks. Sure. So... Thank you very much, Darren Gladstone, for coming in and chatting for a while and giving us a peek into the world and what it was like back in those days and the the starts of all these great tech speak. Language is bad sometimes. Don't worry about it. It's not the important thing. The important thing is the Nintendo Direct. 
the Nintendo <laughs> the Nintendo Direct that we had had so many new, interesting news stories. We thought we'd cover them now. Uh, my personal favorite to start: Kirby in the Forgotten Land uh, looks beautiful, and I'm probably going to be picking that up as soon as it becomes available. Uh, first 3D, uh, like 3D Kirby, which is a full explorable world that looks like it's a overrun jungle from like a overrun uh, an ancient city that's overrun by nature now. So nature has taken back the city with birds and plants and skyscrapers. I wonder how many cues it's going to take from Mario Odyssey because it sort of it sort of gave me those vibes just looking at the trailer. Yeah, it like it did it did a bit like Odyssey vibes, but also kind of it, it it looked similar to the engine that they used for Breath of the Wild as well. And I was just thinking that well, ancient city, ancient tech, but not that ancient, just ancient earth or something close enough to it. I'm I'm really excited for it. It's it brought a lot of happiness back. And then what else is other crazy news? We have more Pokemon Legends Arceus news. Uh, Pokemon have been released. Uh, new gameplay trailer and everything has been shown. Looks pretty fantastic. There's a bunch of exciting re-releases. Uh, first off, which is already out, is the Castlevania Advance Collection, which is all of the Game Boy Advance Castlevania games, which I just tore through as a kid. So it's very exciting mm-hmm. to go back and be able to play those. Uh, I might pick them up later when I have a bit more spending money. I'm oh, saving yeah. myself for uh, Metroid Dread right now, so yeah, that's gonna be exciting. It's that it looks so good. <laughs> it's gonna be. I've never like it, it's again. I've never played many Metroid games. I did play like the like the demo for Metroid Prime, like Hunter's First Hunt, on like the DS when it came out because it mm-hmm. came with it and. That was an interesting to control, to control Samus with this stylus while you're in, in ball form. That was not quite as interesting as I remembered it being. I mean, it was a demo; it wasn't the full game. So, mm-hmm. probably the biggest content drop is uh, the news that Nintendo is going to be uh, bo- boosting up their online subscription to yes. add expansion passes for N64 games and Genesis games. Uh, it's like I'm interested is that going to just be like one subscription for all of them like one bonus expansion or like each individual like oh you can pay like two more bucks to get this expansion or like five more bucks to get Genesis I think it's just um, a monthly fee for all of them according to the plan for now that would I believe but the details are going to come late October so we don't know mm. for now. What is exciting oh, is that this is going to be our way to play some pretty big N64 games. Majora's Mask, F-Zero, Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, yeah. Like Ocarina of Time. And there, I mean, there, I think this is also kind of fitting with the uh, with all the N64 games because now with the uh, uh, Super Mario Party Superstars, uh, is bringing back like four or five classic uh, N64 boards with like over 200 mini games from across the series. So it's fitting that they're doing more uh, more ports of old games that we can all enjoy again on our mm-hmm. new consoles. 
and the portability of them. And I believe they not only bringing the old games back, but they also implement online multiplayer on some of the games like Mario Kart 64, which allows you to play play the old games online together with your friends. I'm pretty interested in how they implement the internet function into those old games because they're definitely not built for it. Yeah, it it'll be it, it's going to be like a complete rebuild. I think just with the stylings of it. I mean that that would make sense of like them having to do that, but uh, I think final really big news, uh, Splatoon three. Uh, if you want to talk about your favorite interest, <laughs> oh, they they release a a lot of new news for the game, like new special weapons and some of the story stuff, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's going to take hours to talk about the lore because they, <laughs> they don't really talk about it. Okay. It's all just uh, future lore. Yeah, uh, we'll but th- it looks pretty cool. They got a very cute uh, crab robot, which you can control and shoot things to your enemy. <laughs> they got a Spider-Man-like thing, which is a gap closer. And they got a, a lot of other new stuff. And... I'm really excited about it, so I probably will hop on to Splatoon 2 again to get some practice of my aim. Oh yeah. And prepare for it for the next year. That'll be exciting. Yeah. And then in final like new in final new releases, I think this is gonna be a packed segment at the end, but there's a lot to cover. Bayonetta 3 also announced and coming coming to Nintendo Switch, and we got a little taste of the gameplay there, which looked pretty pretty incredible it's exciting to see a new bayonetta game and it like it looks just it looks very smooth and smooth in the stylings of bayonetta but it looks like we're gonna get a little bit of high res action with that oled maybe but i think we don't have time for any more news uh we gotta yeah thank you for listening (laughs) to the museum of art and digital entertainment's official podcast uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our patient supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patient donors get to listen to this podcast one week before its release on major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. Till then, I'm Chin. I'm Miles. I'm Red. I'm Anthony. Thanks. We'll see you next week.